Hello, you're listening to Reviewing History, your comedy history podcast. I'm filmmaker and teacher Brian Rupert, joined here by, as always, Stephen Dagliaco and, and Aunt Gio. Anthony Galati. <laughs> Is that going to be your thing? I don't know why Brian felt the need to correct me. Well, you want people to know. He gets an intro. You get an intro. I want an intro. I'm Aunt Gio. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Angie decided to embody yeah. a rapper from the 90s. Chair. <laughs> He's like, um, do you guys remember that those local rappers that would come to your school and rap about like good hygiene and squeaky clean? They weren't rappers. They were like a 1950s rock band that played Beatles covers. I thought there was one that did like rap. That was squeaky clean. I don't know about what you saw. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, maybe in my head I just turned them into rappers who rap about no, like they were middle-aged like people that. that loved the Beatles and played them in like 1995. And they but weren't every public school. Weren't the songs like about soap? No. Well, really? Well, they had like, you know, self-help songs, but they were mainly a Beatles cover band. Okay. See, I thought For kids. That I don't damn remember. I remember the songs were like "Wash Your Feet," you know, like <laughs> things like that. It was Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> Luke, carry your socks. Lieutenant Dan can't wash his feet. Yeah, but that was the gimmick in the movie. What? Be- before he loses his legs, he's all about foot care. And, oh, really? And, yeah. I I don't even remember that. <laughs> I have a different reading of the movie. <laughs> Uh, what is your reading of the movie, Brian? <laughs> well, I'm not going to do the whole bit. You could see it in uh, in my movie. Oh, what pro- is that? Just what we do now? We promote the movie. <laughs> I wasn't going to. We just ended up talking about Forrest Gump. I'm I'm not. I'm you know, in my movie, I have a whole bit about Forrest Gump. Which actually, did you know that the new Saw movie, Chris Rock? What's your movie called? It's called The Uninvited Guest. Where can they find that? Amazon Prime. Ah. <laughs> yeah, but there's a bit in there about Forrest Gump. And in the no- new Saw movie, Chris Rock has almost word for word the identical dialogue. No way. I swear to God. I you didn't stole t- your thing? I didn't tell you this? No. Yeah, so either one of two things happens. All right, first, tell the people what we're talking about. All right, so yeah, it's a little confusing. in the movie, I have a character. Now, me and Anthony have had this debate in real life, and yes. I put it into the movie where... Basically, I state that the point of Forrest Gump is about how easy it is to manipulate and exploit the handicapped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that the point of the movie is that this this mentally challenged man gets abused again and again and again and exploited by Jenny to the point of raising a child that is not his. Mm-hmm. Because Forrest is the type of person that would not take a DNA test and would just assume a kid is his and raise it because Jenny said so. Now, Jenny He's also a millionaire. Yeah. You've been sitting next to a millionaire. Exactly. <laughs> Jenny knew that Forrest was rich enough and dumb enough to take care of the kid. She's one of the biggest villains in movie history. She just dumps a kid on him. And Brian and I had this debate. I took the side that it is his kid on the line outside of a concert one day, and people were laughing at us as we had this fight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I guess you wrote it into the film. I wrote it into the film. So I went to see the new Saw movie, and I was sitting there. And Chris Rock has almost verbatim the same fucking dialogue. Now, either there's a couple of things that happened. Far as far as Gump, I mean, uh, Chris Rock, either one night was on Amazon Prime and was like, what the hell is this shit? And he decided to watch one of the worst movies ever, my movie. Or <laughs> or I came up with the same bit. Some parallel thinking. Uh, yeah, the same bit as one of the greatest uh, comedic minds Maybe ever, definitely currently, right? As far as straight comedy. In some people's opinion. 
<laughs> you, don't, you don't find Chris Rock funny? I was never a big Chris Rock fan. I like Chris. You Rock. can't deny that he's one of the, the oh, he's one of the most the great comedians names, ever. Yeah, absolutely, so. no yeah. doubt about it. So I personally think that he watched the uninvited guest and ripped me off. I think that's most Has likely. That's the safest bet. Mm. Yeah, Occam's Razor. Yeah, he watched my movie and ripped me off. The, right. yeah. the answer that has the least m- amount of assumptions tends to be the correct. And one. I give my vow to all my to everyone listening to this. One day I will make Chris Rock pay for his crime of stealing my joke. If I ever get successful enough, I'm calling him out. He'll wish that it was Will Smith he was dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> Keep my jokes out of your mouth. <laughs> So we actually, I uh, want to address something we missed in uh, an earlier episode. We do? I feel like we let our listeners down. What are you talking about? We did not address my doodle Oh, for Charge of the Light Brigade. Ugh. So I think we need to... Uh, doodle. Yeah. Would you like to describe <laughs> it? Okay. This looks like two penises. <laughs> we have two, two penises coming. <laughs> They have, we, yeah, it's two penises with ball sacks coming on a man wearing a splendid feathered hat. Is that, is that correct? He nailed it. Yeah. Steven? All right. I, Do you concur? I can, okay. <laughs> yeah, I concur. Oh my God. All right. Actually, this is, this might be one of his clearer drawings. Those are cannons. Yeah, it seems there's and a cannon to the left. There's a of guy him. in a silly hat. That's and there's about a cannon it. to the right of him. Yeah, mm-hmm. nice honest answer from Steven. That was the honest answer. Realistically, if you didn't know what we were talking about, that's one dick is shooting at the guy, <laughs> and there's another dick in front of him that's sh- that's shooting in the opposite direction. It's <laughs> if you want to see this, just uh, go to our Instagram. It'll be there. Yeah, it, <laughs> you 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 really have an artistic talent right. unparalleled. <laughs> it is um, reviewing history on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what are we what, what are we discussing today? Today we are watching the Elephant Man. Steve wanted to cheer everybody up, and he uh, decided that the Elephant Man was the way to go. You know. Uh, <laughs> No, you know what? Go ahead. I'll, I'll I'll comment after you've commented. So, have okay. you guys seen this before? No. And nope. I, I I've heard of it. And you I, heard of this? Oh, I've heard of the movie. Yeah. I've I've it's heard of the movie. movie. You both heard of this. I knew what it was about. I knew what it was about because mm. it's been parodied so many times. I think I was aware of this movie like from the time I was a child because it's it's, it's parodied in Batman Returns. It's parodied in the Rugrats. Is it? It's yeah. parodied in Chucky the... has rhinoceritis. Oh. And he says, "I am not an animal. I am a human being." <laughs> oh wow! Uh, In Batman Returns, the penguin goes, "I am not a human being. I am an animal." <laughs> In the claymation video game on Nintendo sixty four called Clay Fighter. Oh, I love Clay Fighter. One of the character goes, "I'm a human being," <laughs> and I never knew what it was from, and now I do. I did not know about this film going into it at all. When, even when I picked it, I never saw it. It's been I didn't even know. I didn't even know what it was about. Then why'd you pick it? <laughs> so uh, I thought. I, by the way, I, I I didn't know it was a true story. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, uh, this was new to me. Okay, I knew it was okay. a true story. Mm. So uh, we need we needed to pick movies, and I realized that wow, last time I picked Mutiny on the Bounty, I, it was a random it was pick. A shot in the dark. It was a shot in the dark. All I did was Google history movie based on true story, and Mutiny popped up. Mm-hmm. I this time I'm like I want to do a character movie. Brian did forty two. 
yeah. I, I want to do one. So I Googled history movie about a person. So, you know, the elephant man was like the screenshot on Google. And I was like, I'm going to pick that. I s- legit assumed it was about like an elephant trainer. <laughs> I didn't know what it was about. He's the elephant man. He the raises elephant elephants. Yeah, I was like, no, was this be- no, I knew nothing. I he just didn't know it. it was directed by me. And uh, <laughs> I want. It's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> I want to apologize. <laughs> Apologize. Because that was the saddest movie I think I've ever watched. You know, you I actually found it uplifting. I'm not even joking. Same. Steven and I watched it together, and he had a completely Oh, really? Yeah, he had a different experience than I did watching this movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was kind of uh, triumphant, almost. I, I totally agree. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was a very uplifting spiritual movie. I don't think that... It's definitely sad at times, and it's bleak, but... I thought that the movie actually is optimistic at the end, and mm-hmm. it shows the beauty of life. Yep. And we'll talk about that after, and like what you could find beauty in. And I, I really did like it. Would you say now? This is you know, it's it's David Lynch. It's not a run of the mill standard. It's by story. me. He's a weirdo, <laughs> and he likes weirdo things, and we love him for that. At least I do. Yeah. Yeah. How do we yeah, feel about Lynch at this table? I love Lynch. I think he's great. How much Lynch have you actually watched? Uh, all of Twin Peaks, both series. And the movie? Uh, Fire Walk With Me. I've seen Dune. I've seen half of Mulholland Drive, and then I fell asleep. Um, but it was great while I was watching it. Um, and I think there's more. Now I've seen The Elephant Man. Um, that, that may be it for me. But, you know, I was a massive Twin Peaks That's fan. still a lot of Lynch. I love Peaks. It's fantastic. Both series. You know the return. I'm uh I'm casually into Lynch. I didn't watch Twin Peaks. I watched Mulholland Drive. I really liked it. I watched uh, Lost Highway. I still haven't seen Blue Velvet. It's been on my DVR forever. I just haven't mm-hmm. taken the plunge because I think it's like three hours, and I'm like I don't know when I'm gonna really do that. So I saw Dune, and I think those are the only Lynch movies I had seen up until this. I might be missing one, but definitely those. Oh, uh, did you see the little um, mini film he did? Uh, sick on, men getting sick. I've seen that. Uh, men, six men getting sick. I saw that on TV on the Art Channel when I was like ten years old, and was like, "What the fuck is this?" Do you remember Netflix yeah. at one point early on in their streaming life? They had like six or seven David Lynch shorts, and we watched them. Well, that's what I was gonna say. There's one that came out about a year ago, maybe like two years ago, where he's yelling at a monkey. It's called like "What Happened to Alex" or something, and it's him fighting with a monkey and a chicken. It's fantastic. <laughs> he also does music. Yes, and his music's good. It's not bad. Yeah, it's very weird. The only problem is, I think he sings on some of it, and he has Find like one me. of the worst voices. His ever. voice is great. <laughs> he you, wrote like you uh, like my voice, yes, Anthony. It's hysterical. <laughs> you know, the the music in Twin Peaks, like the Pine Tree Song, and I'll see you. That's all him. He wrote it. It is uh, very He's a genius. Unique. It's very unique. And for for my experience, I, I'm not too far from it. I've watched Twin Peaks, Firewalk with me. You hated The Return, though. I did not like The Return. Uh, I don't like all his stuff, mm-hmm. you know, but I, from what I have experience in, most of it is pretty, gr- pretty great. Mm-hmm. Brian, would you actually consider watching, like, Twin Peaks after seeing a movie like this? I'm just, honestly, series just don't appeal to me that much. It's. I'm not opposed to it. It's really just you not. Love it. It's not. I would. I would watch the movie. 
I actually want to watch Fire Walk with me. I just don't have an interest really in the TV show, which I know is so fucking weird. It's not weird. It's just you know, it's a pain in the ass to watch a you know twenty episodes or whatever it is. Exactly. That's more than that. Like I'm I'm a movie guy. I'd rather just watch one movie and get you know what I need. But the 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 movie, while you probably can watch it on its own and take it for the merit that it has alone. Obviously, it's going to be more impactful and better with your knowledge of the show. It's like if you've never seen Star Trek and your first Star Trek movie is Wrath of Khan, you'll be like, oh, that's a good movie. But you're not going to feel right. sad when, when Spock, Spock dies yeah. because you didn't spend 60 episodes watching the guy. Yeah, of course. You know, like you could watch the new Deadwood movie without watching the show, mm-hmm. but you're not going to get the same thing out of it like that me and Ant got. Yeah. No, mm. oh, poor Al. so So i do want to say something about lynch sure i like him and i respect him but sometimes i think he gets a little bit too up his own ass pretentious with his like weird shit rather than telling the story i know and i know that's his trademark but you understand what i'm saying where you're like sometimes it's like you're just doing this just to do it you it's know funny. there's an episode yes. of twin peaks the return it's the eighth episode mm-hmm. and it is visually one of the most stunning things i've ever seen that's the one where it's just like a nuclear bomb yes. going off i'm yes. nodding by the way i'm for, saying it's not for like an hour there's barely any dialogue it's massive explosion and what it looks like and like just weird imagery and i've like, heard people say it's the greatest episode of tv ever agreed I love it. I thought it was absolutely brilliant and one of the greatest things ever filmed. Beaver, on the other hand, watched the same exact thing and hates it with such a passion that he's, like, gotten crazy about it. It actually ruined the entire series experience for me. Different strokes for different folks. Legit. It was one of those things that, it's what Brian said, he did something just to do it. There was, there, you can't tell me anything about that episode that changed something in the series for you. It's it's pivotal. You have the the gas station men and the the woodsmen. This is the water and this is the well. That didn't change anything. Yes, they they killed the the evil Cooper in that episode. We're, we're spoiling now. No, I'm talking <laughs> the graphics. I'm talking about the graphics. I'm not talking. I've about, never seen anything that looks like it. I I know that, but what did the hour mm-hmm. and like let's say let's say the how did it advance the how plot? How did that those graphics advance the plot? They didn't at all. For like 45 minutes of that episode was nothing. Dude, you just got to go with it. Stop trying to analyze everything. And that's why I don't <laughs> like that episode. Because it's like, just go with it. I don't want to. I want to know what it. what's the reason I'm watching this. Oh, there's no reason. Okay. And that's my main critique of Lynch, but it's also something I respect about him, where it's like, he'll put in weird shit, mm-hmm. and it's up for the audience to interpret it, which is, you know, what an artist does. Like, right. if you paint something, and, you know, it's a bunch of colors and shapes or whatever, it's up to the viewer to interpret it. He does that in film. Now, sometimes I think it's a little, you know, senseless and needless. Do you guys remember when I wrote that uh, mockumentary that I was going to star the three of us? Yes. And we filmed, like, one day of it before, like, it just wasn't It was me in the chair pontificating. Yes. Yes, But there there was several fake movies within this movie. Yeah. And one of them was straight lynch shit, where it was just weird nonsense. Do you remember this? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I feel like you're making fun of David Lynch. Basically, to do Lynch shit, 
oh, you kind of just need weird shit to happen. It's like mm-hmm. very easy to do, but he does it in well, a we way. We made a video called Gummo 2, which is essentially the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird shit. Do you know just what, for like, the sake of being weird. Do you know what he does? You know when you like play music on Windows and you have that graphic of Windows Player and it's just like this weird graphics that are happening that match the music? That's what he puts into his films and that's what that episode was. <laughs> it was exactly it's that. It's a very mean-spirited analysis of it, but <laughs> you are not far off. <laughs> Admittedly. <laughs> so I looked into the movie a bit, and it is respected. The Elephant Man. And, yeah, The Elephant Man. And it's respected and loved by a lot of people we are fans of. Oh, yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. So... Some people that we like that really love this movie are cited as, you know, one of their favorites. Musician Stephen Wilson. Ah, that figures. He says it is his favorite film of all time. Uh-huh. Stephen Wilson, of course, is of the... Porcupine Tree the, and his solo career. And producing everything. Every, yeah, he's a very important man in the progressive rock scene. And yeah. we're prog guys. We so love it. We love Stephen Wilson. This is his favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl Pink Plinkerton, whatever his name is. Pilkington? Yeah, that guy. The the uh, the Ricky Gervais dude? Yep. The, huh. That's his favorite movie. Brad, he's like known as like a dumb guy, isn't he? Like that's his character. Anyway. Yeah, you know, he just plays one. He's funny. So that's his favorite movie. I like the elephant man. Bradley Cooper said this movie is what made him want to be an actor, and he played him. He played the elephant man? He played him on Broadway. Oh. Wow. And here's the thing. Bradley Cooper didn't wear makeup. Do you think Bradley Cooper uh, looks enough like the elephant man to play him without makeup? Wait, that's not a joke? No. I thought you were joking. No, yeah, me no. too. I thought he was being stupid No, that's sarcastic. serious. Wow. I thought you were calling him ugly. Isn't he a handsome man? He's quite Bra- handsome. Bradley Cooper might be like top five hottest guys in the world at this point. Wow. His Steve has doing? his list. I have my yeah, list. Who, who's your top five hottest guys? I mean, you got Johnny Depp. You got Ewan McGregor. You got this dude, Bradley Cooper. I can't go after that. <laughs> <laughs> I, ha- I, don't, I don't have anyone after stud that. Stud so. Muffins. I just know, you know. That's you, what we should, you should make McGregor. that a segment, Steve Stud Steve Muffins. Steve Stud Muffins. <laughs> I always give a Steven top, Studs. top five list of the hottest guys, but I can't go past three because I don't know anyone else. <laughs> so this is a picture of Bradley Cooper in The Elephant Man. So on just Broadway. a handsome man just with him. no shirt on? Yeah. yeah Why would make sense. I hate fucking plays and Broadway. It's garbage. No, no, no. It's it's not garbage. It's got it's got good stuff in it. So you know this movie is based on a play, right? Is it? It was yeah. a play first, yeah. And it won I think it won like Tony's and shit. And then the the production of it is interesting. So David Lynch was coming off a racer head. Mm-hmm. Which is a massive success. Yeah. Have you have you seen a racer head? No. Me either. It's I wanna watch it because I'm sure his first film is it's definitely based on a true story. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I've heard it described There's a guy with Kramer hair on the cover. Yes. <laughs> I've heard it described as like two hours of the second episode of Twin Peaks the Return, which was <laughs> just again weird, Nonsense, bizarre yes. imagery that makes very little sense into you know, I watched that twice, the return, and the first time, I'll just say this, the, the, the main character in Twin Peaks is a guy named Agent Cooper. And Agent Cooper, at the end of Twin Peaks, gets trapped in an evil dimension. <laughs> and uh, 
he we pick up with him, you know, 30 years later or whatever it is uh, in the return. And the whole time, the whole show, it's like 20 episodes. You're just waiting for him to snap out of this trance and come back. And you're just on with bated breath every time the show comes on. Is this going to be it? Is this it? Are we waiting for it? We're waiting for it. And once it finally happens, but it takes forever for it to happen. And then the second time I watched it, I wasn't waiting for that anymore. And I got so much more out of the show. Like if you once you that's gone that anticipation you can anal, you can analyze it and get, and enjoy it because you don't enjoy it you're just fucking losing your mind waiting for Agent Cooper to come back and I think if Beaver watched it again he'd be like oh here's the genius you know <laughs> oh you mean Mr Jackpots <laughs> Mr Jackpots is amazing hello, hello! <laughs> I have no idea what that is <laughs> so Agent Cooper yells that he sees a little floating thing above slot machines. He goes up to it and just goes, hello, and he hits the, he hits for jackpot every time. Oh, he well, just goes around awesome. the casino and does this, and it, it's so dumb. I feel like you have a so Mr. Jackpot because you always win at casinos. I do have a good streak. and Not always, but I have a good streak. You're the only person to win money at my bachelor party. We went to Vegas. This is true. Every <laughs> single person got their asses kicked but yeah, Beaver. I, I lost like 600 bucks. <laughs> I made it. I made, I made 600. I left up. <laughs> he went down, just like put money in a slot, won like a thousand bucks. I was like, oh, I'm good. I went up back upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I want to give well, a, a little ex like watching David Lynch stuff like Twin Peaks and stuff like that. You can tell the Elephant Man is Lynch. Yeah, it has Lynch aspects, but it seems but the so story much more subdued than so, other stuff he's done. Yeah, but the story is so concrete that it doesn't even feel like he, it's him. Mm -hmm. Well, I wanna I wanna talk about that. Uh -huh. So how this film came about? He's coming off a racer head, and he was working on another movie. I think called Red Rocket. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, I don't know if that movie ever got made. Um, it was about a little boy in Colorado who jerks off dogs. And he goes, Red Rocket, Red Rocket. That's sparky. Sparky, yeah. <laughs> Sit, stay, don't, don't be gay. Be gay. <laughs> don't be gay, Sparky. Don't be gay. <laughs> and the dog not turns his head like, what do you mean? <laughs> that episode is from like 25 yeah. years ago. <laughs> it's yeah. almost a 30-year-old show. We were, we were children <laughs> watching that and quoted today. So anyway... The movie, this guy had optioned the script for The Elephant Man, and he brought it to Lynch, who had shown him Red Rocket, and was like, hey, would you do this? So this guy had a connection to Mel Brooks. Ah, and that's why Anne Bancroft is in there. Exactly. Anne Bancroft oh. is Mel Brooks' wife. Mel Brooks produced the movie. Did he really? Yup. He is the producer of this movie. However- That's so weird. He demanded that his name is not on the movie because- if his name is on the movie, like um, imagine you're looking at the Elephant Man. Everyone poster. would think it's a comedy. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Elephant Man, a Mel Brooks film. Uh -huh. You're assuming it's a comedy. Right. Uh -huh. So he purposely did not put his name on it, and he silently produced it. He really only asked for a, a couple of cuts. He was very hands off, mm -hmm. but he, you know, let this film happen. Basically. Wow. Yeah. Who would have thought that? Yeah. You know what David Lynch said to people. Piss on you. I'm working for Mel Brooks. <laughs> Piss on you. I'm working for Mel Brooks. <laughs> so uh, I guess we can get into this because I, I want to drop my AKA. Okay. So the elephant man. AKA, oh, you thought you had no feelings? Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Like I said, I you were you were all sad about this. I, I didn't get that. I, I I can't imagine somebody watching this and at some point not feeling empathetic. Oh, empathy, sure, but well, that so, that coincides. But with it sadness. is a tri- in the end of the day, it's a triumphant, hopeful story about the human experience. Uh, I mean, yes. we can debate about that. I think part of it, yeah, sure, but not the story in itself. All right, well, I guess let's get into it. Yeah, yeah. So John Merrick, whose real name is not John Merrick. It's Joseph. Joseph Merrick. Ah. Not too far off, though. So yeah, of. it's a it's an inaccuracy because he had a younger brother named Joseph named John and it just got mixed up. But his name is John Merrick. And at the start of the movie, well, actually, the movie opens with the bla- a black and white Paramount logo, which I love. They use like an older one. Then the we, movie feels like it's from the fifties, right? Yeah, they're. No, it's not just that. the black and white. It's just, it looks yes. beautiful. Yeah, the cinematography is fucking great. It's insanely good. And I got to give it up to the cinematographer Freddie Francis, who he fucking is incredible on this. The black and whites in this, they just kick ass. Mm-hmm. Let's give a little background. I guess I looked up some stuff about the Elephant Man. Okay, the real guy. He was born in eighteen sixty-two in Leicester, England. And he was a completely healthy child, believe it or not. His illness did not become severe until he was five. Yep. His mother died of pneumonia when he was 11. And obviously she plays a pivotal role in this film, even though she's not actually in it. Uh, She was like his only friend because these growths started to happen on him. And I I guess people today say it is a disease called Proteus syndrome. Have you heard of this? I've never heard of it. known as elephantitis. Named ah, after him. Okay, uh, I've heard of elephantitis. Apparently, I didn't know the other name. They, it was like kind of discovered, sort of, or, or diagnosed officially in 1979, and since then there have only been 200 cases of it worldwide. Ever? So, ever? Wow. So they, it's believed this is what he had. And well, he's a medical an- anomaly. Right. You know, part of the thing is they're trying to study him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It be his head just grew to be massive with. Uh, when, when he was first examined by that guy, uh, Trevis, who's played by Anthony Hopkins. His name is Fred Trevis. Sir Anthony Hopkins, you son of a bitch. Excuse me. Don't um, you. He was, his head was 36 inches, which is yeah. a massive head. Th- three feet. And as far as I could tell, this movie is incredibly accurate in yes. its depictions of stuff. Very much so. Um, However, the one difference is... There's a couple, a couple of differences. Yeah. A couple of well, a big one is that he actually sought out, like... The freak show. The freak show, and wanted to work on a freak show himself. He had a couple of jobs before that, like as a young man. Cigar yeah. roller. Yes. Okay. We all we all saw the same thing. Yeah. Like that. Uh-huh. We all we all have Wikipedia. We yeah. all did our homework. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he tried to be a cigar roller, and his left hand, no, his right hand, excuse me, uh, became so enlarged and unusable that he couldn't roll the cigars anymore. So that career was over. Well, he actually um, rolled them loosely one time for Kramer. <laughs> And it was just a bunch of mishaps. He packed them too tight, actually. Well, they were try. They they thought he was a real Cuban. And yeah. Turns out he wasn't. Yeah, he was Ecuadorian. He's Ecuadorian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he became a traveling salesman, like a door to door salesman. Imagine you open your door <laughs> and this guy, like, <laughs> <laughs> like um, oh, this. It's yeah. horrific. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, so I assume both of you actually saw the real pictures of him. Yes. Yeah. I honestly think the real pictures are worse. Than what Dude, the makeup is almost exact. It's perfect. The makeup <laughs> is awesome. It is really good. So this movie actually changed the industry because there was outcry after this that there was no award for best makeup. 
Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. There was no makeup award, and everyone was like, what the fuck? This movie clearly should win. So, like, Planet of the Apes never won anything? Exactly. Mm. So, the next year, they finally institute an award for best makeup. So, best and, makeup wasn't until 1981? Yep. And do you know the first movie to win? Empire Strikes Back. No. Wouldn't that have been 1980? I don't know. Return of the Jedi. No. <laughs> no, I don't know. American Werewolf in London. Oh. Have you ever seen that? Yes, the scene oh. where he transforms is pretty impressive. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. It still looks great. Huh. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's that won the uh, the makeup award, the first one. Some nice little, nice little tidbit yeah. of information there. So the movie itself. Uh, is there anything else we want to say about the actual Elephant Man? Um, we could go through it as we go through. As we he progress. sought out the freak show as like a last resort. Like there's nothing else. He what could else can do. I mean? What else can this guy do? And it became fairly successful. Like they would travel around from town to town. I know he was popular in like the Midlands, like Birmingham, Leicester, and then finally they Stoke. get to London, and he met some guy, who I guess is the character portrayed as like the bad guy in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, top hat. Yeah, that guy is a completely like fictional dude. Because he's like a villainous man, and that guy just didn't exist in the real story. Yeah, well, they make it look like he's completely exploited in right. the in the play in the movie. Uh-huh. You know, it's like this is a man who's here against his will, almost being subjected to uh-huh. these horrors. Meanwhile, he's but like, really, got, it's a living. I got to make a. Uh-huh. It's a living, right? You know, he's like a geek. But they make a permanent exhibit, essentially, of the Elephant Man, and it's right across the street from the London Hospital. And uh, that's kind of where the movie starts. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins uh, goes down and to see the elephant man. And it gets shut down by the cops. Yeah. What's that about? That so, actually happened. So basically, they started shutting down the freak shows. The attitudes were changing in, in Victorian England at the time. And it's like the freak shows were becoming less. They became immoral yeah, and wrong. Obscene. Obscene. So they, they started just shutting them down. So I want to ask you guys how do you feel about freak shows? Like in carnivals, like I know Coney Island still is a freak show right. to this day. How do you personally feel about them? It seems like an archaic form of entertainment. Have now, you ever been to it? one? No, I have not. I would not go. I've been to one. Really? The one in Coney Just Island? One. No. I didn't know there were still freak shows. Did they shows cheer, for, did they cheer so for you? Did you get a lot of applause? I got so did tricks? much. I did. You are a fucking st- abnormal. I was in a cage and I stood on my hands. <laughs> Uh, and he sucked his own dick. I, <laughs> I would wear shoes. The amazing on. man sucks his own penis. He does Steven it standing. He does it standing. Look at him go. It's so large it fits right into his throat. <laughs> <laughs> See as he gobbles buckets and buckets of jism. Listen, listen. $20 is $20. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you make your living. But. Bottoms Museum of Wonders, the amazing dick-sucking man. <laughs> very, very difficult to find a job when shit's just hanging out of your pants. <laughs> I like that his name is Bottoms. Barnum's. Bar- oh, Barnum. I thought you said oh. Bottoms. P.T. Barnum, he invented the freak show. I know who Barnum is. I thought you said Bottoms. I was like, no, because he sucks his own dick. No, I, w- I went to a, like, a random carnival in like Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and it was like a freak show, and I, I walked in, and it was like the Anaconda Woman. And I had to be like ten. Mm-hmm. And I walk in, and it's just a lady laying down with an anaconda like skin over her, like a blanket. Right. And she's just sitting there, like reading. I think um, <laughs> I was like, I'm never going into one of these ever again. This is so dumb. It's always going to be fun for people, not so much like human abnormalities and you know the what is it and things like that. You know about the what is it? 
What? No, I don't know what that is. This is one of P.T. Barnum's like things. It was just like a slave from the South that he brought up that looked a little weird, and people were like, it's the missing link. You know, oh, like, God. It's yeah. like just horrible shit like that. Well, yeah, there's but, that um, story of um, this black guy who was kept in the Bronx Zoo. That I, That's probably the what is it. It's something like that. Then there was like these black babies that people watched like get raised in a zoo. Like there's a whole bunch of shit like that where black people are just put into fucking zoos. Yeah, I mean, horrible shit yeah. is happening. I think like if it's a almost like magic, you know, like magic tricks. I love magic, by the way. Okay, you. <laughs> I've I've kept this secret for a long time, but I'm gonna be out with it. I'm coming clean. So no, I've just always been fascinated by like magic tricks and like I know it's fake. Do you have a favorite magician? A favorite? Yeah. You like Penn? Like Penn Teller? I like I like Penn Gillette. I I honestly don't think I have a particular favorite. I just you know if I who's the mind freak? (laughs) Chris Chris Angel. Angel. Chris Angel. He sucks. He's I don't like him. Do you remember when we were kids, there was the masked magician who gave up all the magician secrets? Did that, like, break all your dreams? No, I loved it. You liked it? I know it's not real. Right. Like, I just, I love the, like, I'm fascinated by the, like, sleight of hand and, like, perspective and shit like that. People are always going to love, like, figuring out how the, you know, the tomfoolery is being done. And that's what's cool about the, you know, the, like, the P.T. Barnum style freak show thing. It's like, like you, how are you trying to trick us right now? Like one of our friends did a magic trick to you yes. once, and to this day, it was amazing. You don't know how he did it. Nope, shocked me. You want to explain it? I don't remember it. I just know he shocked me. So basically, he made a card appear in my hand when I wasn't holding anything. Yeah, basically, <laughs> he he had Anthony pick a card, uh-huh. and you know, let's say it was a six of clubs, right? And Anthony shows it, and he puts it back in, and the guy shuffles the deck, and he pulls out, "Is this your card?" And Anthony's like, no. He's like, is this your card? And Anthony's having me hold my hands together. Yeah. And he's just like fucking with Anthony. And it Mm -hmm. looks like he doesn't know the card. And Anthony's like, look at this asshole. He doesn't know. Right. I was like, this guy sucks. And then he like snaps his fingers and he's like, open your hands. And that was the card. And the card appeared. (laughs) How did he do that? And you lost your fucking mind. It was, he made it teleport. He made a teleportation. He had a transporter. (laughs) He is, in fact, Miles (laughs) (laughs) O'Brien. But um, we always got to get to Trek somehow. (laughs) So, like, I'm fascinated by that shit. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Like, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. cool. But yeah, the the freak shows were were kind of dying out in Europe. I think they had a longer lifespan in America. Oh yeah, we like the freaks more. I think so. I mean, we still have the one in Coney Island, which is, like, world famous. True. But, yeah, so the, Frederick uh, Trevis goes and meets the Elephant Man and decides he wants to take him to show off in front of his medical friends. And he brings him to, like, an examination type thing. Well, real quick, I love the atmosphere and the setting. I love Victorian England. Oh, it's always cool. Yeah. I think it's so, yeah. especially in the black and white, it looks so good. Mm-hmm. But, like, anytime something is set there... Like, you think of steampunk, even that aesthetic, and it's still borrowing from Victorian England. It's so dynamic. like the 1890s. Yes. You know? Like, when things are kind of turning almost the 20th century. Like, Sherlock Holmes era shit is perfect. Right. Like, there's almost no cooler setting for me. Hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. Like, I I love that shit. And we tend to go there a lot on the show. All the time. We do, but this is the first time we're really in In London. Yeah. Yeah. 
we have to consider the fate of this creature's mother. That's what uh, the guy says mm-hmm. when they're talking about, you know, the elephant man and how he came to be. Right, they have the story made up about how she was crushed by elephants while giving birth. Yes, and we should mention that the movie opens with her, like, screaming and shots and elephant. of elephants. Yeah. Pachyderms walking around. Very. That's the most Lynch moment of the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, there's another one that I'll talk about. Okay. Yeah. There, there's like two or three really, really over the top Lynch moments. That the elephant one was one of them that was very, a little bit confusing. I thought it was like that was the story. I didn't realize it was the made up story. You know, for the show, for the for the uh, his performance aspect, which is why it's a little confusing. Right. Well, she had the, this kid, and it, it was like raised normally until you said five years old. Yeah. But after that. The story is like really depressing. The real story that they don't they don't mention. Well, the real story is that he was in this place. And he was hated he by his sh- parents. His mother was dead, and his stepmother kind of like made him go out and work, and he couldn't work. You know, mm-hmm. there was nothing he could do. Yeah, his so father left, and step. I already hated he him. left home at seventeen and was kind of just on his own. Yeah, and that was the end of that. These medical students in the hospital would come over and see the Elephant Man as a medical oddity. And then he was brought before that like big review, and they gave a major examination to him, and that was that. Like he went back to the show after that. It wasn't until, oh, and by the way, the whole thing with him walking around with the burlap sack on and the big hat, yeah, that's all real. Like I yeah. saw, I saw the actual hat and the thing. Okay. he had a giant hat and burlap sack on his head. I mean, you don't um, want to scare people. Yeah, he was being hounded by like a crowd in the street one day. Like he was just going through town, and the police had to actually rescue him. And he was given a calling card by Frederick Trevis, who had examined him. Yeah. And he, the cops couldn't understand what he was saying because his mouth is so Yeah, he up. can't really He speak. can't really talk well. So he uh, he gave him the calling card, and they called the doctor. He got him a cab, brought him back to the hospital, admitted him with bronchitis, and that's where he stayed for the rest of his life. They got him a permanent residence in there, which is pretty much what happens in the movie. Yeah, it's very close. I mean, yeah. you know, in the movie, at one point, he's, like, being surrounded by all the people. He says the infamous line. Well, that's later. Later, yeah, yeah. but well, no, in, it, he ends up. In the movie, he gets hounded by the workers and, like, random people, and he leaves to go back to the, the freak show. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, he, he goes captured and taken to France. Yeah, but that's later. But, um, but that didn't happen. No, no, that's yeah, that's, that's what I was referring to. So anyway, one thing the it, they gave out pamphlets of him. They gave out pamphlets at the exhibit, and they said that his condition is due to his mother Mary being knocked over during while she was pregnant with him. She was knocked over by elephants. Which is all fiction. And that's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I I actually heard that those pamphlets made more money than the actual exhibit himself. People just wanted to know about him. Wow. (laughs) But he gets taken back to the hospital, and there's, um, you know, this whole thing where he's in the attic, and the nurses keep running into him, and they scream in horror every time they see him. But we see, like, this friendship start to blossom between Anthony Hopkins and him. And yeah. he teaches him, like, well, he he interviews him and, like, kind of figures out how he talks, and they they start to communicate. And more. he figures out that he has the capacity to think. Yeah. He can He's a reason. normal person. He can reason. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't hurt me, would you, elephant man? <laughs> Bright eyes. <laughs> 
one of the reviews that I saw for this movie was that Anthony Hopkins' eyes in this are magnificent. Again, you, you're really focused on the hunky guys. Huh? <laughs> he is a hunky. He's a dream. Boat. He's a dream. Does boat. he make your top? Uh... <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, there's only top three. Um, but no, and when I when you look at the the cinematography of it, they really focus on like making his eyes like wide and bright. Well, you could tell, like, he's such a great actor. You could tell he has such a wide range of emotions when he's looking at him. You could tell, like, that he's, like, always, like, there's a, a slight element of pity, but also wonder and curiosity and care. And, like, it's really never said, but, like, he really is projecting all these different emotions at various points. That's another yeah. thing that we were harping about when we were watching it. Like, there's very little dialogue in this movie. But yeah. so much happens with just the facial expressions and and you know movements and things like that. Yep. It's, yeah, it was it's fantastic. Really a beautiful visual movie. It's great. It's directed awesome and it's shot awesome. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh he goes with Anthony Hopkins to the British lecture where he gets naked, stands in front of the crowd, yep. which is something that happened in real life. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and they would let it he was he let them do it. It's yeah. He was like going in the movie and in real life. Yeah. Eventually, he decided that he didn't like it. In real life, he's like, I'm done with this. And he goes away. He wasn't getting paid. That's the real reason. Mm -hmm. One of, uh, I think, one of the more sad aspects of the whole thing is that, you know, they come to find out that he's never met a woman before. He's never communicated with her. Well, that's part of it, right? All of them have been horrified for him, uh, by him. So he, Anthony Hopkins, in real life, the the, the doctor, Trevi, uh, introduces him to a friend of his. Uh, And it's just a regular woman. And they have a nice conversation, and he loves it. It changes his life. He changes his life, and he, they, the two of them, end up being pen pals till the day he died. But he gets like really movie. horny in real life, of course. And he just wanted to like fuck after he finally got to meet a woman. He's also like twenty one years old. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, I don't blame him. The in the movie, it's an actress. Yes, and that is fake. Like all all the whole stuff with the high society getting involved with him and like becoming his friends essentially that was all invented no to an no. extent it ha- it happened yeah oh yeah yeah so not the the princess didn't come yes no she did she did yeah really he was actually like worshiped among high society yeah yeah they okay. they did come and visit him that did happen he was mailed a letter by that actress and like he cherished it oh but the show i, all, I didn't find any of those. but the show he saw she was not in Mm-hmm. But he did when he finally saw a play, you know, mm-hmm. which is the climax of the movie. Exactly. Yeah. And the actress's name is Madge Kendall. Kendall. I think that was her name in the movie, too, wasn't it? I believe it Mrs. is. Mrs. Kendall? Yes. And that's really, you know, that I, sh- I mean, she was a famous actress in her day. But I think what she's really known for now is having a communique with the uh, elephant man. Mm. There is a scene that ha- happens around this time because he, he's in the hospital, mm-hmm. right? Well, a- actually, he gets he gets examined, and it turns out they want to bring him into the hospital to treat him or yeah. at least to uh, see what's going on more. And it's the first time the nurse is dealing with him. And she's she has a bowl of oatmeal, which the, these shots in this sequence are fantastic. And she's walking to the door, and she's clearly horrified, clearly scared. Mm-hmm. And it's almost indescribable how scared she actually looks. Like, it, it's it's on another level. Mm-hmm. When she gets into the room, sees him for the first time, and is, like, that horror is just unleashed, it 
for such a small role, <laughs> like, and it goes back to like so much is happening with no dialogue. It is really powerful. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I was pretty amazed that the like at this point in this film, and then Anthony how Hopkins much is happening comes up behind. I should have warned. I should have warned you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's my bad. And I'm just like, this is on another. Like, I, I thought going into this, like, I I was making a mistake picking something random. And I was like, wow, this this is actually a really good movie. Yeah. Like, I, I was shocked. Uh, you know what seems heartbreaking? When he goes, I can't be cured, can I? Because mm. part of you in the back of your head, because you've seen a million movies, you're like, oh, Anthony Hopkins is going to, like, try to do surgery or something and fix him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was in the back of my mind. They're gonna try to like cut some of this shit out and kill him in doing so. Yeah, I thought something like that, and mm-hmm. they're like, "No, we can't do anything for you. You're stuck yeah. like this." Um, he did in real life has surgeries though to remove some of the mass. Yeah, and like yeah. to make his mouth able to talk better. Yeah. And the actress uh, Madge Kendall was an advocate for him publicly. And she um, helped raise funds for him and public sympathy. So she was a big booster in real life. A large portion of the film is about kind of the logistics behind getting him permanent residence in the hospital and being under their care. Because, you know, we're, we're in Victorian England. It's not like there's social safety nets. You know, it's, it's a very uh, do-or-die type of society. And the hospital has to pay for him. So who's going to do that? And... That's kind of like they have the interview with the guy who runs the hospital, and he's clearly been coached by, yes. uh, by Anthony Hopkins. He's only saying what he's supposed to say, right. but then, and he's in his suit. Mm-hmm. Well, they thought he was an imbecile at birth, right? and in real life, they thought that too, mm-hmm. and it, it turns out they were wrong. Well, no one was giving him <laughs> the time to mm-hmm. express himself. Yes. It's not until he starts praying like on his own doing things that they didn't teach him to do. Yeah, they're like, oh, you know he that? shows them that he is, in fact, a human being. Yeah, and that's, the prayer is actually what gets his, you know, almost salvation. Yeah. Because as he's praying, Anthony Hopkins hears it. And, and they run he, back upstairs. And they run back upstairs, and he goes, finish it! <laughs> <laughs> finish <Shit>. it! <laughs> and then finally, they have The Green this... Goblin burst through. Right, the Green Goblin. Oh, <laughs> 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 They have this other scene where um, they're debating what to do with him. Like, well, the, there was that other scene where the elephant man's talking about what makes a hero, and he says, "A hero is someone that can show others what can happen if they hold on for one more day." That was Aunt May in Spider Man Two, so we made him. Aunt May and I just you know I really I hope that it. somebody out there, some listener out there, picked up on that that if, that was Spider Man. You guys, knew it was Spider Man too. I didn't. Oh. If you no. guys were in the room with us, you would have seen one of the finest performances I've ever seen. <laughs> Brian's mouth looked just like the Elephant Man. <laughs> <laughs> I turned it sideways. I look more like him than Bradley Cooper. Yeah, because yeah. Bradley Cooper is handsome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have this scene where like the higher ups in the hospital discussing like what to do with them and there's one guy who's adamant about getting him out they don't want him in there and then a letter comes from the queen herself saying they she wants him well the princess brings it yes the princess shows up the princess of wales and she hand delivers a message from the queen thanking the hospital because he's become kind of a celebrity by now. She had wonderful timing. His, yeah, they were right. they were debating about it his, then and there. His uh, <laughs> he's been in the newspapers and people know about him now. Mm-hmm. And the queen wants him there, so 
there he is. He gets a spot permanently, and they move him downstairs. And that's important because now he can be fucked with by the orderly guy. <laughs> the evil orderly. But this is his, this is his home now, and he, yeah. he, he's shocked that he has a real home. He's very grateful. And he starts yes. building a, a replica of the cathedral he can see outside his window. So in real life, Merrick did receive, you know, visits from wealthy ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. including the Princess of Wales. Mm-hmm. That is 100% true. Okay. That's so crazy. I didn't know that. That's so crazy. Yeah. It's they wanted to see the Odyssey and also Oddity. They, they the Oddity. Yeah, what I say, the Odyssey. They said the Odyssey. They wanted to see Odysseus fight the Cyclops. Yeah, they were all about Symphony X. They're like, play it. <laughs> you Accolade just, two. You gotta just play the whole fucking album, bro. <laughs> Inferno. <laughs> no, so they wanted to see the oddity, and they also I think it helps them feel morally good that they were helping this person. Yes. It, you it, know? It, it and the movie plays with the idea that is this just the freak show continuing? Is it? Only for a higher class. Well, that's the thing, and Anthony Hopkins feels guilty about it. And I kind of It's the difference between Barnum and Bailey and the TLC network today. Yep. You were gonna say the same thing? No, I wasn't gonna say that exactly, but you're totally right. It's like you put the guise of helping someone, it's still the freak show. Exactly. But now you help you're being constructive with Look, it. we're giving it's this the p- learning channel, you know? And I will tell people you people big world. There is nothing. My six hundred pound life. There is almost nothing I hate more than fraudulent like charity and like I hate when people take lessers almost and they almost exploit them and manipulate them for their own gain. Like just like you do to me on this show. <laughs> mm. Yeah. No, you I mean like Honey Boo Boo wasn't just point and laugh at the weird people. I fucking hate that. There's nothing I hate more than like people being exploited like that. It really bothers me on a moral level. Uh-huh. Did I ever tell you the story when I threatened kids in high school that were picking on a dude? No. I never told you the story? I, I might have you been probably there, have, but we just I, forgot. Yeah. So uh, I was in high school. I was, a, I was probably a senior because I don't know if I would have done it as a junior. No, I would have had to have been a junior. I'm sorry. So because I was in lunch and as a senior, you don't go to lunch. You just go home. Mm-hmm. So I was in the cafeteria and there was a special ed kid and he's sitting at a table and these kids are sitting at the table and they're just throwing shit at this dude. Mm-hmm. And it fucking enraged me. Yeah, that's not cool. And I went over and I was like. You're going to think this line is so fucking cheesy. I thought it was tough, though. I was like, this ain't your show. (laughs) (laughs) Did you do a Clint Eastwood thing? No. I said, (laughs) why don't you pick on someone your own size? (laughs) I said, you keep throwing things at him. How about you throw some fucking fists with me? We'll go outside. That's not bad. That's a good line. That's not yeah. bad. That's a good line. All right. That's not as douchey as I thought it was. And I was like, I was and I was like heated about it. And they That's not like when I was fighting a kid when I was like 10. And I told him, he, I, I like picked him up and threw him. And he's like, whoa, you're pretty strong. And I said, uh, oh, what? I was from Star Wars. I, took, I stole You'll find him. No. You'll find him full of surprises. And I tried to lift him over my head. And I just failed. <laughs> 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 You thought that you were fucking going to have the force. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do you you told that story to me once about the kid who says a Jedi does not strike in anger? Oh, yeah. You want to tell that real quick? That was like this weird, he had to have some kind of mental problem. And he was getting picked on in like the locker room in gym class. And, he, and like somebody said to him, he's like, why don't you just fight back? And he just goes, a Jedi does not strike in anger. 
Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't he getting oh. picked on more and he just kept saying that to himself? Yeah, That's he was like grumbling it in his in his uh under his breath. As he was getting picked on, yeah. right? I didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you're not me. Simple, simple observer, really. That, that's yeah. all. As a witness to history, <laughs> a passive witness. That's like yeah. another kid I saw. They they took his jacket, same locker room, and they threw it in the toilet and pissed all over his jacket. And he just took it. You know, it was, what is he gonna do? These guys were real pieces of shit. And they pissed on his jacket. They pissed on his jacket, and then the next day they pissed. They pissed in a cup and threw it at him. They had a lot of piss play. <laughs> Oof. This kid was not having a good week. Yeah, <laughs> I feel oh, that's horrible. It was, it was horrible. It was a horrible <laughs> thing to see. Yeah. I heard a kid in middle school, in a friend's middle school, got hot cum thrown in his face. Was this the Silence of the Lambs middle school? <laughs> 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 Wait, where did they find hot cum in middle school? Was, my God. <laughs> this is the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> They're walking through the halls. Yeah. Multiple, multiple migs comes flying at him. <laughs> <laughs> One of my uh, buddies in high school, he broke open a locker. Silence of the lamps. <laughs> the teacher, I could smell you. <laughs> <laughs> what did you see, Clarence? What did you see? <laughs> <laughs> That's history class, by the way. The, the principal is just on the loudspeaker. He said I could smell your cunt. <laughs> Clarice, he said I could smell your cunt. <laughs> Have a nice day. Every, every lunch, the same thing. It's just fava bean. <laughs> and a Chianti. Okay. <laughs> The, the music, the only song played is just Goodbye Horses. <laughs> what a middle school. You know what the, you know what the most popular... Jane Gunn is the principal. <laughs> you know what the most... You're great big fat person. <laughs> you know what the most popular um, class is, right? What? Basket weaving. Because, <laughs> you know, you got to make the basket. No, so one of my friends, he used to, he broke open someone's locker, random person. He only broke the locker because he could. And he took a shit inside the locker on someone's gym clothes and then locked it up. That's good, clean fun. And he just left the shit there. <laughs> what, a, what a surprise when you open up your locker. <laughs> According to Ed, this play is mean, but if it's shit, it's all in good fun. Well, I think Look, that it's a not, random target. Yeah, if you're, yeah. Exactly. Like you open up your locker, there's a pile of shit. That's funny. Stop That's funny. Funny. It's your. Stuff. I think you. I think in the hindsight, you're gonna tell that story for the rest of your life and be like, "This was a hysterical moment." If someone takes your jacket and pisses all over it. That's horrible. That's a that's a nightmare situation, you know. Yeah, because you have to leave the jacket behind. Yeah, and it's like just the the humiliation. Yeah. Mm, yeah, you're gonna carry that. But the, the shit in your locker is fucking great. Were you the one who did this? No, it was not me. No. You know which so Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Anyway, the elephant man. Anyway. You know what's funny? We brought up Silence of the Lambs and Sandy didn't Hammer. reference, but we didn't like even like do that. Yeah, everybody knows that. I know, but it was funny <laughs> that we didn't talk about that, you know? 
We didn't make any Hannibal Lecter jokes. It just <laughs> happened. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs High School is hysterical. <laughs> middle school? It's not even high school. Oh, it's a middle high school. High school gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's Red Dragon High. You graduate. <laughs> <laughs> Everything, every class is just a slideshow. Do you see? Locker room changing. <laughs> every time, every time a disabled person walked in, you felt really bad because I set them on fire and put them down on a wheelchair. Speaking of piss, Ed Norton doesn't this kid piss himself in that? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. You wet yourself. You're filthy. Yeah. Those are good movies. I not, like not the fucking fr- what was the Hannibal. One? Hannibal, that one. Hannibal fun. stinks. Red yeah. Dragon is fun though. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. It's just it's family fun, you know. Yeah. It is a fun movie. <laughs> don't they like hang a guy by his intestines? Maybe well, <laughs> you know these these things happen. I remember me and my family went and watched Hannibal together, and we were so fucking bored. Doesn't Ray Liotta like get his head eaten? Yeah, I think. Uh, I think Hannibal eats right, his oh, brains his, at the end. What, didn't they spoof that in Scary Movie? Yeah, they did. So, uh, Elephant Man cries, and it breaks your heart after he has tea time. Mm-hmm. And you feel so bad. Because mm. it's the first time he's being treated like a human at all. Yes. Well, he says, I've never been treated kind by such a beautiful woman ever. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you're just like, oh, my God, do you feel for this man? You poor man. You really feel for him as a in a deep-down way, like... Uh, like you want to be his friend, right? You like he's just a nice person. We haven't really mentioned this, but throughout the whole movie, like the um, his employer, who I guess they treat him almost like he owns him. Yeah, and like, that's how he sees it. Yeah, it's uh, bites. Yeah, bite, Mister Bites. Mr. Bites. Like he has a little kid. He has a little kid with him. Yeah, it's weird. He's lurking around, and he um, he's like trying to get him back. You know, it's his livelihood, right? And he teams up with the evil orderly. And every night, the evil orderly, like, goes to a bar, goes to a pub, and brings, like, the patrons of the pub back to the window so they can look in and see him being a... Well, did they team up? Because I thought this guy did it on his own, the he orderly. He pays the orderly guy to take him in there. He just wants to... He's like, He acts like he's just one of the patrons. Yes. And he and he ends up kidnapping... He kidnaps him. The elephant he, man. The elephant man. That scene... Takes him to France. Well, real quick, that scene before he gets kidnapped Horrible. is heartbreaking. Yes. That's the scene where I actually really got choked up and felt bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just so abused, right. and he doesn't want any of this. And you've come to know him as this gentle person. Right. And he's just completely helpless, and these pe- horrible people are just picking on him. You have the girls, like, mocking him. Yeah. There's the scene where they're outside the window, which is so Lynch... Because Lynch, like, is always has, like, horrible sexuality in his films. Yes. And, like, it's the it's the hookers and the guy, and they're just, like, yeah. licking each other's the faces. Furious makeout. The bullet. As they're looking at him. The furious makeout is so uncomfortable. Yes. But this, this doesn't portray, like, oh, look at these evil people or look at these lower class. They're like, these are the average people. These are the just average bar goers who it's were hanging humanity. around. It's just it's humanity. You know, and that's who they're lowest. portraying. Sure, yeah, I guess if you want to say that, it's at least one of its lowest. Mm-hmm. So, so he kidnaps him, takes him to France, where we meet uh, <laughs> one of the time bandits <laughs> and the guy who he's he's inside R two D two. Well, they the bites locks him in a cage. He's sick of his shit. These baboons. Yeah, these baboons are yelling and screeching, and all the other carnies see this and are like, "We got to get this guy out of yeah. here. He doesn't belong here." And that's they, what they do. They rescue him and send him yeah. back to England. And when he arrives, the that's when we get scene. the big scene. 
Uh, he's going through the train station, and he's causing uh, all kinds of commotion just by his appearance, and the people are chasing him, and he ends up in a bathroom up against a wall, and he says, I am a not a human being. being. I am not an animal. Yeah. It's and heartbreaking. It's a good scene. Yeah. It's, you feel so bad mm-hmm. for the guy. He's just been crushed, like, by people. Right. You know? And he, they bring him back in. And his friends save him. Uh, Mr. Treve has... Yep. Apologizes. He yes. says, if I would have known, I, w- I would have helped. And, uh-huh. like, not everybody's evil, you know? Oh, we're missing something. When he confronts the boiler room man, the nurse hits the guy with, like, a sack of flour oh, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucks him up. It's so, like, cheesy. and like, it's, But it's good. Yeah. It really doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. It's uh-huh. like a little Lynch cheese You're flourish. Fired. You know? Right. The rest of the movie is like, this is where we realize the fulfillment of his life. You know, he he gets to go to a play, which he wanted to do. He uh, we got to talk about that play. It's really cool. That's that. I, the play I, looks after awesome. After I just recently bashed all plays, this one was good. For it's very Lynchy. <laughs> the the yeah. scenes of the play are Lynchy. The setting is really interesting. It looks almost like a an old version of The Lion King. It reminded me of some of the sets from like Amadeus. Yeah, you know, yeah, like those big operas, which is what they are. Yeah, but I, I, I want to refer more to the, the audience treating him scene in the play more yes. so than the play itself, because this is like, almost in a weird way, the worshiping of high society. Worshiping? Yes, at least how I saw it, because they. The actress comes out and says, "Like this is our special guest who's never meant to play before." Mm-hmm. And he, and Hopkins like, the, and he's sitting with the princess, sitting with the princess. He's like, you gotta stand up, and he stands up, and everybody claps for him. Yes. So all of and and plays and operas are known. If you're high society, you 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 do this. That's what you do. Right. So they all stand up and they clap, and they the clearly high society doesn't treat him the way the average person the would. Do. Not even the low class, the average person. They're not even lower class. Those are average people. So. In a way, it's like, see how great high society can actually be. I don't think it In a was, weird way. I don't think it was a statement about class, per se. I think it was just, like, the un, to be understanding. I will say this, though. He is not the hero of his own movie. You know? Well, I'm, I'm, I, I just want to say, like, this whole final act is about him feeling loved and, and fulfilling, like, a meaningful life. Right? Yes. Yeah. He does nothing. Uh, well, he can do nothing without the help of other people. And it's, it's well, only he's a by helpless the, person. Right. It's only by the grace of good people that he is able to live a fulfilling life. You know, it's not like he overcame anything. No. He still has the, the same problems he's always had. It's just through charity and goodness and, and kindness, he's able to be fulfilled. You know, it's not a triumphant, you know, maybe Beaver's right. I'm, I'm now you're thinking. I'm about talking it. myself out of my own. Uh, no, interpretation no, of the movie. you're right because the movie and the movie is really ultimately about. And this is, I guess, the best thing about Lynch is that so many people could have different readings of his work. Mm-hmm. But to me, I found it that the beauty of life and really the meaning of life is like finding yourself in art and your pursuits and like you can have a meaningful fulfilled life by being a good person and being filled with art and love and passion for those things and if you 
really immerse yourself in those, it can be a fulfilling life. And that's why he's, you know, at the end, he's at peace. Mm -hmm. He's had a fulfilled life. He's found fulfillment in art and beauty, things like that. And the way he decides to go out on his own terms is that he wants to do the one thing he has been unable to do his entire life, which is just lay down and sleep. And that is from Tevis's book, where Tevis says that, I think that after being in the theater and all these like experiences, he wanted to try to sleep like a regular person to see what it was like, and mm-hmm. it ended up killing him. Right. His head was just so too yeah. about that. In it, the movie... It dislocated his neck. He, yeah. So the autopsy done... He actually broke his neck yeah. sleeping like that. Right. So he did die like that. Mm-hmm. He he tried to lay down like a regular person, That's and how they found him. You could, I guess, you could argue that he knew what was going to happen. Like oh, he I knew I he might knew. die doing this, or he was so full of joy and being surrounded by real life that maybe he was like, maybe I can get away with this and you know right. be a person. And obviously, we'll never know the, his we'll inner know. thoughts. But it could also be maybe he's in such misery. Maybe that it's just like enough. He saw what the real world is, and is like, I'm not going to be part of that ever. So, it's it's so it's so much for interpretation. Go either way on that one. Yeah, Um, a lot of interpretation. The movie, I think, definitely makes us feel he's at peace. But that's that scene still is. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. He says, "I am fulfilled because I am loved." Yes, I did not find it heartbreaking. I didn't either. I found it, it, but it is obviously it's somber. A man's ending his life. Yeah. I but found it triumphant. He had a, lived the fir- perfect, fulfilled life. It is good. The perfect day of his existence. Yeah. It's never going to get any better for him. Mm-hmm. You know? And in I real mean, life, I mean, his health so... was deteriorating. Yes. And it is good that he went out on his terms. They yeah. mentioned that, actually. They said, That is his you, triumph. Do you know John is dying? And that's mentioned in the film by the nurse. He didn't let his disease take him. He decided now was the time. That is his victory. You know? Sure. Yeah. I, I, could, I could agree with that. It's just... It's still heartbreaking to see because not like I understand the triumphantness and and how it's almost a victory in his own way, but the the circumstance in which why he had to do that and of his life is just heartbreaking to see that's how he had to go. Mm-hmm. Like he 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 could have not done that and actually lived a couple more years and he probably would have but died it, anyway. It, but it only was going to get worse. It was going to get worse. But he was already fulfilled. Right, but just the circumstance that that ha- it had to end that way is heartbreaking. Right, that is a heartbreaking story, <laughs> and film, and and everything about it is. I found it very inspiring and uplifting, honestly. Mm. Like you I'm know, Brian. he found fulfillment and love in life, despite all his deformities and all the horrible, cruel shit that had been done to him, and him being treated like an animal. He still found that life was beautiful, and he found love and acceptance. You know, and like. He's managed to see the good in people. I, I can agree that, that that part is inspiring. It and, is. and I really thought it was a great message. I, I liked it a lot. But I think I was more so overcome with sadness of the whole thing than ins- inspiration. Hmm. That's me. That's just, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, it's there's there's no right reading. So in real life, the play he saw was a Christmas pantomime at Theater Royal and Mar- Madge Candle. Uh, helped attend, like they, you know, helped him attend, like they set it up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he would ride on trains sometimes in like private, like cars. Co- cars. Tevez would take him around. They really did become friends in real life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He would visit him every day. 
Did we touch on the fact that Hopkins himself is conflicted about? Am I like exploiting this man? Briefly, yeah. not he. Not we. We talked about that, but but we didn't talk about that he was conflicted. He's conflicted himself, and right. I think that's such a good scene in the movie because mm-hmm, yeah. in the back of your head you're wondering it too, and they're clearly am setting it up. Am I a good up. person? Yes. Am I a good person? And I ultimately do think he was a good person. Yeah, of course, because. Yeah. You know, whatever intentions he had at the start, he did right by the guy. Exactly. You know, and at the start, he probably wanted, you know, to expose him for medical science and to look good and, you know, profit somewhat. That's a part of doctors at that time, you know, who could find Mm -hmm. the biggest freak and boost your profile. Right. And he did do that. Yeah. That don't make him a bad person. I mean, people (laughs) need to know about that. Right. Right. You need to know. Without that, what did his real life where would it would have gone like he would have just been either in the freak show or homeless right without without on that the yeah he everything that was done by that doctor helped him in mm-hmm. some way i mean he's hanging out with like the princess and you hope that that <laughs> sort of examination and, and review by the medical people you know, leads to some sort of breakthrough that could help people. Eventually, exactly. You know? And eventually, you know, we know this exists now. And if we see it enough, you know, we could stop it. Right. Now, this remains a rare condition. I don't think there is like a cure no, for it, right? I don't think so. I doubt it. I, I imagine plastic surgery has to be somewhat better. And if it's caught early, mm-hmm. they could probably do some stuff. I mean, it's tumors, right? Yeah. So, But I the mean, way they grow could be constricting arteries and sure. shit like that, so... It could be cancerous. No? Yeah. And the movie ends with like these ethereal shots of like the sky and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we hear a poem. It's a beautiful ending. A I'm poem, not reciting this a one. A poem by Tennyson. Oh, do we really? It's Tennyson. No oh my way. God. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's Beaver's turn. All right. Yeah. I'll so I'll do it. Know, I'll do it. Beaver. Uh, is this long? <laughs> it, it's, it's shorter than the other I one. I can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> How do you want me to uh, perform this? Like David Lynch. <laughs> Ooh, like David Lynch. So you have. So to, do I have to do his voice? No, ah! just say random words. <laughs> oh, that's tough. Okay, but it is by Nothing Will Die. So is this actually about it's, him? It's not about him, but they use it at the end of the movie. Okay, so all right, <clears throat> I gotta get into the Lynch, Lynch's. Uh, do you want me to talk like, like this? That's perfect. Yeah. You want me to talk like? Do, do, do you want? Okay, I'm gonna do this, but I'm gonna do this in an emotional way. Okay. Do you think that's good? I like it. That's good. Okay. Yeah. When will the stream be aweary of flowing under my eye? When will the wind be aweary of blowing over the sky? When will the clouds be aweary of fleeting? When will the heart be aweary of beating and nature die? <laughs> never. Oh, never. Nothing will die. The stream flows, the wind blows, the clouds fleet, and the heart beats. Nothing will die. <laughs> Nothing will die. All things will change. Throw eternity to the world. Winter, autumn, and summer are gone long ago. Earth is dry into the center. <laughs> but spring, a newcomer, a spring rich and strange, shall make the winds blow round and round, throw and throw here and there, till the air and the ground shall be filled with life anew. The world was never made, it will change, but will not fade. So let the wind range, for even and morn ever will be, throw eternity 
Nothing was born, nothing will die, all things will change. Watch Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was tough. I, I, think it, uh, I think it was not that easy. I can't believe we had back-to-back Tennyson. That's, <laughs> that was good. Uh, that was shocking. When I when I said it, you were looked shocked at. Yeah, because I thought I was gonna have to do it again. I'm glad Steve did it. <laughs> That's a lovely poem. That is a really nice poem, though. Tennyson's a good poet. Yeah. Wow, I'm really breaking new ground with that statement. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. T- before today, n- no one at this table. I actually had read *Charge of the Light Brigade* when we were researching sure. this. Did you? Yeah. I, I I actually watched a video of someone reciting it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I really never paid that much attention to it. I definitely no, never heard either. the other poem before. I'm not into poetry. You should really? get into it. You should get into it. Well, I think so. we're just going to start going to poetry slams and only reading Tennyson. I think we should end every episode with a poem from now on. <laughs> Brian's doing the next one. I, I, like. Only Tennyson. Tennyson is the official. Anytime he pops up. Okay. He's the official poet of reviewing history. <laughs> uh, final thoughts? Final thoughts. Okay. This was... Um, Great this, movie. This was great. This was a random pick by me. I, while watching it, I regretted it, thinking it's not going to be that funny. But you know, uh, it is what it is. I gave it a nine point five out of ten. This was legit. I I was blown away. Blown yeah, away. Yeah, it's a niner. Nine out of ten. I gave it an eight. Okay. Uplifting movie. Can't complain. Heartfelt. Looks great. Well acted. You know, it's I, I understand why it resonates with so many people, and I could see why a lot of artists and musicians, guys like Stephen Wilson, really mm-hmm. enjoy it. You know, it connects to guys like that. Sure. Yeah. So I think that does it for this episode, boys, unless anyone's got any final things to say. That's it. No, I, I yeah. Yeah, I feel good. pretty good. All right. So you want to say bye? Bye. Thank you for listening. Want to give a big shout out to Walt, Bry, Q, Getem, the Tell Him Steve Dave guys for letting us record down in TESD Town Studios. Come on down to Hazlitt, New Jersey. Visit TESD Town Studios. Visit Getem. Buy some merch. Say hi to everybody. Tell them Reviewing History sent you. Tell them we sent you. Yeah. You could smell you again off the elevator. <laughs> Follow uh, the podcast. I on- was swinging at the Blue Monkey last night. <laughs> <laughs> Come on down and just start reciting Tennyson. They won't know what you're doing, but, you know, maybe you'll strike something and get them. Uh, Come on down. Uh, I said that already. Sorry. I'm like a robot. Once I get off track. uh, (laughs) We derailed them. Yeah. yeah. The programming is all fucked up. Uh, Follow the podcast on all social media. On Twitter, it's rviewpod or rviewingpod. Uh, reviewing history everywhere else. You could send us an email, reviewinghistorypod at gmail.com. You can follow me on all social media at Brian Rupert. That's with two Ps. Follow me on Letterboxd. I rank and review every single movie I watch. I write reviews for them. I have lists ranking all these movies. The guys have their own Letterboxd as well. You'll find all this in the show notes. I want to thank you so much for listening to us, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.